Good morning and welcome to On the Boards. My name is Joshua Coffer and we are in the studio today to talk about playoff basketball. Here with me is Mike and Chewy. Guys, it was a long weekend with some excellent games. Uh, any initial thoughts there, Mike, before before we get going into each individual game? Uh, just that there's a lot of new trends, it seems like, in the NBA. Giannis, Giannis looks like the best player in his series, and that might be all that the Bucks need to win that game, even without Jabari. Um, the Celtics didn't look that great. I mean, maybe maybe the Isaiah situation that's going on right now will, as he works through that, the team will maybe feed off that a little bit. But I was really surprised to see the way that they played. But a lot of a lot of people are going to think that that's the way that they always play, and they don't. They're a much better team than that. But uh, yeah, and then the Jazz. I guess the Jazz Joe Johnson buzzer beaters probably the best moment of the playoffs so far. So far, yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, a lot of good things happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely was a big fan of the Jazz upsetting the Clippers. Uh, we can see in that series, you can kind of start to see if the Clippers lose that, you'll probably see the end of an era there. So that's a storyline. Um, focusing on Golden State and Portland, that was an entertaining game if you watched it. Um, C.J. McCollum. It's going to be a lot of points scored in that series, so I'm excited to you know watch that one and see how it pans out. But I, overall. I was excited with the energy and the passion and, you know, the overall feel of the playoffs, and it's here. It's an exciting time. It looks like a lot of a lot of good games, so that's definitely going to be to our benefit. So let's let's just straight through, go through each series, because we, we have two games to the Cleveland series and two games to the Spurs series. Everyone else has one game so far, so we can get a little bit of an assessment. But we'll start with Cleveland, and we'll just work our way down. Um, that game was a lot closer than people in Cleveland wanted it to be, but I don't know. I wasn't too surprised because the Pacers, they have all of the stuff there, but, uh, obviously not enough to, to beat the Cavs in the first one. Any, any thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, the, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers are obviously the defending champions, so you knew they would come out with uh, a lot of heart and a lot of intensity on the defensive end. Um, even though the Pacers are still scoring a lot of points, you can kind of see the effort that wasn't there near the tail end of the regular season. And just, you know, the same old story with the Cavs. You see the greatness of LeBron and, and Kyrie. I think he had 37 in their last game. He looked great. Yeah, he looked great. And Kevin Love looked great. You saw Kevin Love taking charges and stuff. <clears throat> so it's that type of effort that kind of puts you over the edge and, in a, in a playoff series, and the Pacers, they, they have a lot to work on. You know, Paul George is kind of their only guy right now that's clicking on all cylinders, and and then if you watch his postgame interviews, it seems as if he's throwing his teammates under the bus and stuff of that nature. So they've got they've got a lot that they need to work on, um, or it could, it could be bad. They could possibly get swept. I think I still think they can get one game at home, Probably the next game, game three, will probably be the one that they have to get, you know, in order to stay afloat. But they're in danger of getting swept if they don't, you know, get things under control here. I think they need a breakout performance from somebody who's not Lance or Paul. Right. Which is embarrassing because Lance has been on the team for a month or has it even been that long? It's and been a, it's been like fourteen days, <laughs> and he's and he's the second best player on the court. It seems like I know Miles Turner's really good, but he's really young, and 
he's not a guy that is ready to take over playoff games. But I don't know. They need another guy. They need one yeah. more guy to kind of round that out a little bit. Right now they're looking a little meek on the offensive end. Yeah, yeah. I thought that looking at that series, we're talking about Paul George, who's one of the best at what he does. Like purely, if you give him the ball, he's going to get his own buckets. And he's on the floor. It's him and Kyrie are probably the only two that do that purely. Uh, I know LeBron has that capability. You know, Teague has that capability. But when you're when you have it from the three point line all the way into the paint, there's right. only two guys that really do that, and that's Kyrie and and Paul George. So that was kind of fun to watch. But I'm surprised how quiet. I'll have to look at what Teague's been doing. But it didn't look like he was as effective. Yeah, he had 15 points. He's he's a top tier. Like or a second tier point guard that's been hiding behind John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving all season. He's a good point guard, but it doesn't seem like he has. He doesn't like rise to the occasion very often. He's always been like a fringe. Uh, he's always been like fringe contenders. He was yeah, on the Hawks right. when they yeah. just barely came up short, and then I think he was kind of blamed for that. Yeah, like they kind of yeah. put it on him. In terms of not being able to reach that point, maybe they needed a better point guard, and we see what's happening now. Yeah, the I mean, are all right, exactly. They and they had a he was his backup was arguably better than him. You right, know what yeah. I'm saying? So you you never want to be in a situation like that where your backup is just as good, and you could make the debate if not better than him. So that was kind of the situation for him in Atlanta. Um, I mean, he had 15 points in their last game. That's really right around where he averages. You know. But That's what I expect. It's yeah, it's kind of what you expect out of him. But it's the, in this situation with the Pacers, it's just a case of them not having enough yeah. offensively. You know, Miles Turner is supposed to be that guy, but he's still young, so you can't really rely on him for constant production. I mean, I I believe this is his first time being in the playoffs, anyways. So you can't really expect you can't really expect too much out of him um, to begin with. So, I mean, they're they're in trouble, like like you said, like Lance if Lance isn't getting off and Paul George isn't getting off, they really don't have a shot at all. So predictions for the rest of the series? Uh, Indiana gets one. Indiana gets game three, Okay. I think, at home. I think they win that by, like, ten. And then Cleveland wins the rest. They they win game four and game five and now, sweep them in five. Now, if we would have had the Pacers winning the first game, Sheesh. what do you think the series would look like? Do you think it would be the same deal? You'd be this sure about the Cavs winning or no? No, I definitely wouldn't. If if the if the Pacers had won Game One, I think you look at this series in a completely different way. Right. I think Cleveland would have got Game Two as they did, but the Pacers did their job by stealing home court. You know, so now all they have to do would do have to do is to win at home. I think the Cavs would have still won the series. I think it might have gone to six if the Pacers had got Game One. The Cavs do this every year. Yeah, I feel like in every every year round one, there's this team that that scares them a little bit, and then they're in the finals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so. the thing is that he's won 19 straight in the first round, yeah. but every game's close. It's not like they're they're not blowing out teams. It's not like in the West where you see Golden State or the Spurs, the first round they score they win by 30. The first four games, it's a little different in the East, especially with the Cavs. Like they're not a team that's like a breakaway team. I was just going to dominate you 
in the in the second and then come away with it. Like I don't think I've never seen that out of them. Yeah, or, no, they, you know what I mean. They get complacent. Yeah, when they when they're up big and they they did it in the first game. They did it in the second game. They were up like almost twenty points uh, at the end of the third quarter, or it was like during the third quarter, and they just gave up that lead. You know, as a result of turning the ball over <coughs> and poor defense. So they just they can't seem to get big wins, but. In the playoffs, you kind of want to get a win any way you can, so you right. can't be bad about that. I definitely also one one last thing is I I think that the points spread for these teams or for the Cavs at least looks like exactly how they put their team together with LeBron and Kyrie taking that first spot in points. Second spot goes to Love or or LeBron. You know, and they're just they're they're moving the ball right, and I mean it looks like they're making the right decisions. It I in that first game, I I honestly thought for a second that we were gonna see a Paul George get a, Paul George get a shot off, and seeing LeBron actually run up there, which is one of the edgiest defensive moves you could do. Yeah, I, it worked. What do you I don't guys know think if it about? Was the, it, it it was a smart decision to get the ball out of his hands, but. If that's the case, I would start blaming the the Pacers, the rest of the team. So I'm sort of with uh, Paul George on that. If if LeBron leaves you and it's a three on four, you got to get a shot off, like a like a better shot than what he had. It was open, but it wasn't like you can get a layup on a three on four. So you agree with Paul George's comments after that? I game? don't agree with his comments, but I I definitely understand his 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 uh him expressing it. Does that make sense? Like, I think that that's something you say in the locker room, and yeah. then when you're out on the out with the press, you say something like, um, yeah, we just got to work on our late-game decision-making or something like like take the blame with with himself as well. He did go back on it. Yeah, but my, my point being Which is Which is like, nice to see. In the moment, I, I still don't like how you can be super sweaty. It's 20 minutes after the game, and then they throw a bunch of questions at you and expect you to not screw something up. <laughs> right. like I, th- I think that that's the, the biggest travesty of any sports athlete is they're like, well, how do you feel? And you're still like hyped up as much as you are, or you're losing. Of course, emotions are going to play into that. But, no, I, de- I get it. Like, I, I get that. You know, it, it's like if you were playing on a team – and you knew that you're the best player and you need to get that shot off. You 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 tell your team, "Look, I need to get that shot. However that happens, yeah. I need to get that shot." But or if I but need if you're you double teamed at the perimeter. Well, well then, you do. well then, like I said, the 3 on 4. Yeah, right. I know what you mean. That's I thought he, I thought he got a decent shot. I thought that was the best. I thought that was the right decision. Yeah. I think he made Well, the, the right pass decision. was the right decision, but the shot like like it none of those players moved. If you like watch the play, they didn't really move in a in a way to make that the best shot. I you know, there's a better shot like that corner jump shot gets gets the percentage goes up by ten percent if you put it at the foul line, and it goes up by another ten percent if you step in two feet. You know what I mean? Nobody was moving mm-hmm. on that play, and that just might be the inexperience of them never seeing that set before. But do you get what I'm saying? There's a yeah. way better shot. I did hear something that. about. Um when Lan- when I guess because Lan- LeBron was guarding Lance and they were saying that um, during that play when LeBron came up to double Lance rather than stay where he was yeah. and hope for a pass he should have fouled LeBron so once 
So I think this was Kenyon Martin that was talking about it okay. in an interview. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was saying that rather than rather than stay down low on the block, he should have he should have trailed LeBron as he went to go double <clears throat> George, and then once he yeah. got to about the foul line, you stay there, and and instead of George having to throw it, you know, f- like all the way from the top of the key. To yeah, that pass wasn't going to make it. No, but if he's at the foul line, and then if Lance squares up, your pass, yeah. someone th- the, the defense caves in there. But this is all like nitpicking in a situation where. Yeah, I just don't think. You know, I, I don't think if you're C.J. Miles, you throw it back towards half court with three seconds left in the game. Right. You know, you just I just don't think. Go I understand where Paul George is coming from, but in that situation, you're like, okay, the clock is running, your your heart's pumping, you're not really thinking, yeah, and you're not going to throw it back towards half court with three seconds left in the game. You're just oh, – I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'm not saying that he should have not shot the ball. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're a professional athlete where this situation is going to happen multiple times and it could define a series, right, that decision needs to be as smart – I don't know if I'm holding this kid to a better standard because how old is C.J. Miles? He's, he's a veteran. He's been in the league for a while. He's been in the league for a while. But yeah. these guys are like, you know what I mean? Like, how many times has he had the chance to shoot that, right. that last shot? My point is that if we're going to hold these guys, these are professionals. We're paying them a lot of money to do this. You can get a better shot than that. That's all I'm saying. The, the, simply put. Not everyone to- Not everyone has Greg Popovich drawing up plays, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. But anyway, this is Nate McMillan we're talking about here. <laughs> anyway, it was the best shot in the situation as as it unfolded, and it was C.J. Miles going for a game-winning shot in the series because you know everybody predicted that for sure. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we can move on to uh, the next series: uh, San Antonio and Memphis. Chewy, you have some opinions on that already, but yeah. did you did you see any highlights at least, or did you look at my Twitter feed? I, I did not look at your Twitter <laughs> feed. I saw like, I saw a little bit of highlights. Um, basically, I saw the post game interview where their coach kind of spazzed out on the refs. The second game, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's kind of what drew my attention to watch some highlights. And Kawhi basically had 19. He shot more free throws than their entire team, so that was a frustrating point for them. Uh, the Grizz were down what 20, 20 something in that game too and they cut it all the way to six or four. I saw that. So there's a little bit of suspense there. But I really, with this series, I never really thought Memphis had a chance. I just think San Antonio is too experienced or too well coached. Um, they've got the two best players. Well, you can argue Marc Gasol is one of the better players in that series. But other than that, I never really saw them getting challenged. So that's why I haven't really focused on this series too much. Um, it's San Antonio's leading 2-0, which I fully expected. And uh, I'm pretty sure they'll probably win in four or five games. The Grizzlies are the Grizzly are a team that probably shouldn't be in the playoffs. Yeah, they stumbled into the playoffs yeah, they like did. they kind of just limped in. Yep. So I'm, I guess like if the Nuggets were in there, it'd probably even be a better series. Uh, there's a couple other teams. I, I guess the Nuggets are the only real team that probably would have been better in that spot. Yeah. But yeah, it's a situation where you got a team that's. Way better than the other one. That's just how it is. Yeah. And even right now, usually when you see those upsets with the eight over the one, it's just a situation where the eight seed is coming on at the right time. This is a situation where the Grizzly aren't coming on at all, and the Spurs are the Spurs, and that's just how it is. Yeah. I think I think it's just a, a poor matchup for the Grizzlies. Honestly, I just think that they. I mean, they got Mike Conley, they got Marcus Gasol, but other than that, you've got Zach Randolph. I think he comes off the bench now. 
Mm-hmm. So other than that, it's like you you don't really win any matchup. And then Kawhi is the best player, you know, by far in that series. And he's just dominant. Like, he's exerting his dominance kind of. It's almost like, you know, he's playing with something to prove. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of right. like because he was, he was in the MVP race, but he was never really seriously considered as the MVP of this league. So I feel like he's kind of coming out and trying to make a statement and prove something. Well, in this best player thing, this is going to be a – the mantra throughout the, every single series we talk about. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi is the best player. They're probably going to win. Uh, yeah. You look at Giannis on the Bucks. he's the best player. They have a chance to win. Anytime you have the best player in a series, you have a chance to win the whole thing. You Agreed. see it with Butler against Celtics. Agree. He's he the best player over. in that series. Yeah. He's the best yeah. player. So, I think that – I don't know if you guys saw in the highlights, but uh, since you guys didn't really watch the game, but uh, Kawhi had a low block. In this last game, where he got the ball all the way in the block, takes the ball in one hand and and stretches it out like like MJ would, he just kind of puts his hand out there like away from the defender, then does a turnaround jumper on the guy and get cleans like a good four feet of space just in the turnaround, drains the shot. It looked as effortless as he'd been doing it his whole life, yeah. and that was the shot. I was like, shoot, this kid is getting better and every year he does improve but like you can tell now he's making moves and making shots that how many people in the league can do that like Dwayne Wade can do that and I think that might be it he's got a very specific skill set Kawhi I I think he's I think he is the most diverse skill set of anybody how many guys do you see that their 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 percentages have gotten better every year but they're still taking hard shots throughout the whole game when like I, he's the only Spurs guy that plays the one-on-one game. It's him and Patty Mills play it. one-on-one. Everybody else moves the ball around to get their shots. Mm-hmm. Him and Patty Mills will go and play a kid straight up and get their buckets. That's that's why I think Kawhi is so special on that team because he really doesn't fit the Spurs mentality from a ball movement standpoint. Mm-hmm. Right. But he fits it on an emotional standpoint more than any of them. Yeah. So he can play that role. There's there's one thing about Kawhi, and it's kind of this weird take I have on him that seems like a weakness to me, and it's the same, and it's it's this very odd thing, and it's that he's seems like he's never low to the ground. I don't know if that makes sense, but if you watch a guy like James Harden play or C.J. McCollum, they're, they're smaller guys, but LeBron seems like he's low to the ground sometimes. When he drives to the hoop, he seems like he has the the yeah. the like the, his center of balance is a little bit lower. Yeah. Uh, with Kawhi, he's always he always seems like he's standing up straight, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter with him anyway. Okay. He's still <laughs> he's still a great player. He just plays a little bit differently. Yeah. But yeah. I think offensively, he's not that naturally offensively gifted player that like Kyrie would be. Or yeah, he's not. He he developed that. Right. Yeah. So he just doesn't have that little that little knack. But other than that, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He scores without that anyway. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he looks as effortless as a scorer as you're gonna see. In a game, I I think so anyway. He does I'm it sure. in a different way, but you're he right. Does. He d- he, his shot looks completely different, but then when you look at the form, you're like, well, that's as good as it's gonna get when your arms are nine feet long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, um, that series. Anybody have any thoughts as to how that's gonna go? I I think we can all pretty much predict it's gonna go in four games. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. All right. Um, Milwaukee, Toronto. This was the uh, the upset, the first upset. 
Um, we've talked about how the Bucks have all this potential and they have this youth and length to them, but it hasn't really manifested itself in their regular season. But, I mean, they made the playoffs, and then they get into this game, and they hold Toronto to 83. What's, this, is it Toronto playing bad, or is it Milwaukee playing good? This is by far my favorite series. And um, I think it's – I love it because it's finally an opportunity for – Okay, C's playing. No, that's I can't even. I can't even think about that series. I'm trying to block it out of my mind. (laughs) This is your favorite series. But with, (laughs) but with Giannis and Middleton being possibly the best two players in the series in Game One, I think that's really interesting. Two guys that have never gotten the spotlight finally get the spotlight, and are and are proving to everybody how good they are. Yeah. No, the Thunder series, I don't even want to talk about it. We're going to skip it on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to make sure we get plenty of OKC. We're just going to show a highlight of Stephen Adams knocking out Pat- Patrick Beverly, <laughs> and that's it. That's all I want to talk about. Hey, I, I understand. I understand you're hurt. But to get back to the um, the walking Toronto series, um, onto Giannis, I'm going to just say Giannis, uh, he's kind of proven himself. He's proven to everyone that he has the potential to be one of the best players in this league for a long time. I think he's like 22 years old. He leads his team in every major statistical category. That team as a whole is kind of like a reflection of him. You know, all their players are kind of like long, lanky, athletic players, and that allows them to be uh, good players on the defensive end. And that's what kind of gave Toronto some issues with Kyle Lowry just getting back off the injury. I think they might have to – They might. it might take them some time to kind of regain their chemistry – you know, because they were playing without him, and they were kind of playing well without Kyle Lowry for a while. So, and then you kind of expected the addition of Serge Ibaka to, you know, be the difference in this series, and it wasn't in Game One. So Toronto kind of they kind of struggled to score. You know, even though they were held to 88 points, who do you credit that? Do you credit that to Milwaukee's defense, or do you credit that to their offense? You know what I'm saying? So, I think I think this is one of those series. I think there's a couple series um, in the playoffs that could potentially go a game seven. I think this is one of them, you know, where it's kind of a back-and-forth affair. I think Toronto, you know, regains back that home court advantage and wins in seven. That's what I'm going to predict. So Lowry only had four points. Yeah. We're talking about a – Really bad. Like an all-star had four points in a playoff game at home – that's he stro- he struggles in the playoffs though. Yeah, he does. He, yeah, I'm looking at Demar Derozan is one of the best. He's one of the most fun scorers ever to watch, and he's gonna get his every game. But if Lowry's not gonna show up, that, that I don't even you can't even consider him. You really can't because how much other production are you gonna get out of their team? Serge Ibaka's gonna get some points, but he's not gonna score thirty for you. This you know, the, he's not gonna go get thirty points. This is the best case of like the overreaction situation, though. Yeah. Um, I know that Lowry hasn't been good in the playoffs, but he has to be better, right? Well, if he does better than four, yeah. he, has <laughs> he has to, to play he, better. He has to do fifteen points better than four. Right. Yeah. Can't be, For them to win, he can't be ten points better than four. He has to score eight more buckets just to be like in the game. He has to affect. To be he has to affect the game. He has to be. The best guard on the court. Yeah, they don't. DeMar. They don't win unless he he produces and gets back to his all star numbers. There, yeah. There's just no doubt about it. Like, 
DeMar, the way their team is constructed, he was I think he him and LeBron led the league in minutes. Yeah. So that just says a lot about how much value he has to that team. If he's scoring four points, there's no way that they can win this series. They they don't have a chance. Yeah. And DeMar DeRozan, it was this year that he came out and he was scoring 40 a game yeah, for the was. first, first yeah. 10 games. <laughs> okay, if DeMar DeRozan is going to like keep their team alive, he needs to be doing that. And I don't know how you funnel that sort of stuff, but they they weren't they the number one team in the East for the first like three or four weeks? Yeah, they got up to a hot start. Yeah, yeah DeRozan the, was averaging 30-something, leading the league in scoring. The problem in that situation becomes the fact that they put their best defender on him and their freshest defender on him because they know Lowry's scoring four points. Well, no, that actually that that's a good thing because if you do that, Lowry can have easier buckets to Right, generate. it's good for Toronto, but it's not good for DeMar. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if he can put up 40. I don't know if he could have put up 40 like the last game they played because he probably got Middleton, Snell, and Giannis every time he was coming down the court. Rather than switching them, rather than Lowry getting those guys because they weren't as afraid of him putting up those numbers that night. See, but I don't. I think Demar Derozan is is. I I might be giving him too much credit, but if you can, if he can consistently score that many points, right? He can score that on anybody. I don't think it's a who who's guarding him thing, right? Because he's gonna see the same guy for four games or five games or six games. You're gonna figure out how to score. Yeah. You if to. you're a scorer and an all star. You're, you need those buckets. That's a good point that you make, but I think it, it could work in the opposite way too. If you see a guy five, six times, you know, you almost know his tendencies in his game. You know, so it it makes it almost easier to defend him. That's why I think it's harder in series like this one. It, not not even just like this one in series period when you see a team so many times, it's hard to, you know, they know your game plan. You know each other's game plan, so it's going to be harder to score. That's just how the playoffs is. The game slows down. So to ask DeRozan to get 30, 40-plus points a game, that's asking a lot from a team that's, that knows how he plays and is going to see him in five or six or seven games. I just don't see the points coming from anyone else Neither do at I. this point. So at, at this, if you're going to ask him to do it for three, well, they have to do it for four games, this is the four games he has to do it, you know. Well, they they got they spent all these first rounders and everything to get these players so that these two guys didn't have to carry the whole load, right. yeah. and it's not panning out. It didn't pan out in game one anyway. We're gonna have another game tonight. We'll see how it goes. Um, but they, that's what they got PJ Tucker for. That's what they got Serge Ibaka for. Yeah, that's what they have. You know, all these players for. Um, sure, they don't have Terrence Ross, but who cares? <laughs> they they have the players that they wanted to have. That they traded for, that they spent this last ditch effort to have. Yeah, they need to show up. They need to like spread the ball around, and make it work. Well, we uh, we got through the first day of the playoffs. We still have four more series to go, so we're gonna take a three and a half minute break. And when we come back, we will be discussing the other NBA playoff games here on on the boards on WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. Welcome back to On the Boards. My name is Joshua Coffer. Alongside me in the booth is Chewy and Michael. And today we are talking through the NBA playoffs. The first three days have come to an end. We have more games tonight. But we're still going through the series one by one. Utah Clippers. 
and the Clippers looking exactly like they do every other playoff year. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely horrible. Um, did any? Did, you said you watched that Kenyon Martin interview on the herd. I did. Yeah. I watched it. I watched did you it. Did you hear the what he was saying about Chris Paul? I did. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up too. Um, and it's not a, it's not a hot take or anything. I don't even think it's. Like, I think people say it all the time. It's just he said it so bluntly that it took me by surprise. Yeah. And uh, essentially, what he said was that um, Paul is sort of so ball centric that. It hurts the team, and I I could see how that makes sense to me because we've all seen when Paul's out how good the Clippers still are with Griffin sort of running the show. Um, but but what he was saying was that everybody on the court or most of the people on the court like Luke Mbamute, uh, JJ Redick, um, DeAndre all need Paul to be himself. Um, whereas Griffin doesn't, and uh, maybe maybe Austin Rivers doesn't as much, but just that Chris Paul is almost a negative effect on that team. That's because he just wants the assist so bad. Yeah, he doesn't he, he doesn't let players get into rhythm. He spends way too much time dribbling. He spends more seconds dribbling than he does moving the ball. Correct. And uh, that makes defenses easier. It makes rotations easier. When the one guy has the ball, you don't have to shift at all to guard other players or to play help defense. Chewy, did you get a chance to – or any any thoughts on how these how this game ended up? The Jazz definitely stepped up in this game, which was fun to see. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to talk about the Chris Paul point you guys sure. made. Yeah. Uh, that Kenyon Martin talked about. I really completely disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I think he's ball-centric. I think he is a very ball-centric point guard, and he needs the ball in his hands. But – the way he plays is actually, you know, it has a, a correlation to winning. If you think about it, they have no, they have one or two other players that can really go out and get their own shot. They got yep. Jamal Crawford off the bench. That's right. That's what I forgot he, about. He, he can get his own shot. And Blake Griffin, you know, when he's not, you know, being on some nonsense, he can get his own shot. But for the most part, for the most part, the Clippers, the Clippers need Chris Paul to get – other guys involved. J.J. Redick needs him. DeAndre Jordan wouldn't be the player that he is today without Chris Paul. And then I looked it up while you guys were talking. The Clippers are 16 and 15 since um, this was in. The Clippers are 16 and 15 they, record without Chris Paul in the lineup. So without him in the lineup, they're essentially a 500 team. That's what they're saying. So I don't agree with Kenya Martin's point. I think Chris Paul. Obviously, he's a great player. Obviously, he is a ball-centric point guard, but I think it correlates to winning. I think a lot of the times when they lose, it's actually not his fault. You know, I do think the reason he said it, though, which I can agree with a little bit more, because I, I, I would pick having Chris Paul on my team because of the way he plays over not having him, right. You know, if I have that option. But um, he was saying it more because of the locker room issues that they've had as the Clippers, because it makes it difficult to play with a player that wants to get every assist instead of the hockey assist. I guess my question would be, do you think, do you think Paul is a negative effect in the locker room that much? Well, that's, I think that's why he said it. I think that's why he said it. The Clippers, they've what, the last four or five years have led the team in technicals. Yeah. Okay. That's not a good, that's not a good thing. That's not a good. There's only if you have your if you have a player that's leading the league in technicals, that's fine. 
But when you have multiple team players wide. on your team, team-wide, like contributing to this sort of attitude – if if it's helping you guys like win games, like if they were a uh, one, two, or three, that's different. But they're they're playing as every year they're barely making it through the playoffs, like barely making it through two rounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's right. a little different if they're doing the and the, all these tech technicals are are for a greater good, but they're they're not, and that's that's why I think. I don't know. I I don't want to go off on the Cl- <laughs> the Clippers issues, but well, I like I, I think like, that explains it to some extent. I like hearing from these guys though because it sort of puts things in perspective for me because most of the time I'm reading articles that people write that don't have an ear in the game, mm-hmm. or they do but not in the same way that these past players do. Kenny Martin hasn't been on the league that long, and I I think he knows Chris Paul. They probably were hanging out at the club before. Hang, you know, just Probably having so. some drinks. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he's met him multiple times. Yeah, he's the president of the student or the the NBA Players Association. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a reason he's saying this. Maybe he doesn't like him. Yeah, that's. I don't yeah. know. I mean, right after that, he's. Uh, I know Cowherd offered him Harden or Westbrook, and he immediately said Westbrook, and nobody yeah. nobody really says that. Exactly. So, I mean, the guy is. We all know Kenny Martin. He's a little bit different, and maybe. He's, He's a little, little biased about what he says. He is a player. He's not a journalist. So yeah, I, th- I just think it's you know, kind of absurd to say Chris Paul's play hurts the team. Yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't make any sense to maybe, me. Maybe maybe they need to give the ball to Blake a little bit more. Maybe the offense needs to be adjusted. But that's not on him. No, that's on Doc. So it's ridiculous. Well, just something that came up. Anyway, on the <laughs> other end of it, another right. old guy that's in the league that's actually doing. What looks to be almost completely good is Joe Johnson, yeah. the most clutch, cl- most clutch player in the last ten years. Yeah, eight go-ahead victories off of his shot in the last five seconds. I guarantee it's not percentage-wise though. He huh? gets a, he gets a lot of chances to close out games, and I think he misses a lot of them, but he makes a lot of them too. Well, he's made more yeah. than everyone else. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that that right there. <laughs> yeah. You know they compiled a highlight tape of all his like game winners and clutch. Yeah. It's a long highlight tape. Yeah, like it's really long. Like a lot of players wouldn't have that like a highlight tape that long regularly, much less a highlight tape with full of game winners and yeah. stuff. I think yeah. the thing that Joe Johnson surprised me because I forgot he was playing. Yeah, and I haven't seen the I haven't seen the Jazz play more than twice all season. I forgot he was playing. Then I forgot they moved him to a four. Right. He's he playing a four, and he's he's the strong, but he looks bigger. He looks jacked. Strong guy, strong and guard, yeah. Yeah, and then so he he plays like a a two two guard kind of player, but he's huge. Yeah, and like not not just in like a length way. He's he's muscle now, yeah. and he's playing a four. So any four that's guarding him is having a hard time because one you can't body him up because he can body back, but then if he goes around you and you try to body him. You're not moving them. It's not like you're moving a guard where you like you bump them out of their out of their uh, cut to the hoop. Yeah, his, this guy is gonna cut and he's gonna hit you back. His game is complete. You know, he's yeah. kind of had a kind of a complete offensive game for a long time now. And even now that he's getting older, the way that he plays in relation, the way that he plays now is how he's been playing. Yeah. So he never really relied on like extreme athleticism or. You know, over-the-top aggression to kind of get his buckets. He kind of was always patient, used floaters, excelled in the mid-range game, 
and you kind of saw it with that game winner he hit. I mean, that was a huge shot. I thought, I actually thought it was bad defense. Like it, it was, yeah. Like Crawford, you let him get to his right hand, he beat you, and then shot an easy. Fl- it was really an easy shot if you if you really look at the the tape. How close was the help defense on that? I mean, he drove right down the middle. Yeah, DeAndre kind of challenged it at the last second. Like he had to shoot a floater over DeAndre. That was probably yeah. the toughest part of that shot. Yeah, but it was bad defense. You you let him get right into his zone. So that was kind of more on – I think it was more so on Jamal Crawford's defense. Not to take any away from that shot, obviously, yeah. but it was more on Jamal Crawford's defense that they lost that game right there. But, I mean, Jamal Crawford's not really a good defender like that anyways. Yeah. So you're asking a lot of him in that situation to begin with. But I think that – I mean, that was a that was a great win for the Jazz, especially with Gobert going out like the first – like first seven, play. Yeah, yeah, first 17 seconds of the game. Yeah. So they were obviously faced with some adversity there. I think they showed a lot of resolve um, by pulling together. Joe Johnson had a big game off the bench. Um, Gordon Hayward kind of does what he always does. And they that, that Utah Jazz team is kind of one of those teams where you kind of have to watch out for them because yeah. they don't have a superstar. They've got two really good players. Gordon Hayward is an all-star this year. And they've got – veteran players that are also they've been in situations in the playoffs before in which they need to win they've got Diaw, they've got joe johnson like i said and they've got good wings so they're, they're one of those teams you kind of have to watch out for because they can sneak up on you yeah this is those are one of those teams that when you look back in history and you see teams that made it to the finals and you're like how how did they beat all these teams this is one of those teams they have all the pieces there so let's see if that – I mean, having Dio and Joe Johnson coming off your bench is amazing. Exactly. It's fun That's about too. as good as it's, it's going to get. Us. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, Dio has been amazing for years. So um, we have three more series to get through, so let's try to see if we can get them all done. Real quick, though, Pop, I saw Popovich. He said he, uh, he missed Boris Dio, but do you want to know why he missed him? Why? He's his drinking buddy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he doesn't have anybody to drink wine with anymore. That, that doesn't surprise me at all because Dio is – the fattest <laughs> isn't he though yeah, like, yeah. He, seriously he kind of looks like one of those really out of shape old guys at the gym that's just good at his game he's like one of my favorite players in oh, the yeah. history of the nba awesome awesome player <laughs> i love it okay uh washington atlanta john wall just destroyed that whole series this is a coming out party for him too a little oh bit my gosh he's a different player than he was when they had the runs uh, a few years ago, when they had that good Wizards team that everybody was hyping up, I, I think he's a he's a totally different player now. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, Thirty-two th- and fourteen. That's incredible. Assists. This this kind of t- this Wizards team was a team that everybody thought they could be. You know, with their because they have such good backcourt players, him and Beal combined. You would think that it would be it would lead to more wins in the regular season, and they kind of turned it on in the second half of the season. You kind of saw how high their ceiling was as far as potential to be great and I think this is another series that I think this is another series that can be competitive though I think Washington could possibly win in six I'm picking Washington to win but I think it goes six games at the most so you're a little afraid of the Hawks <clears throat> yeah because they I mean they're well coached they've got they good are. players they've got Millsap they've got Schroeder They've got guys that have been in the playoffs before, so and you Howard's can't. Howard's been really good this year. Yeah, exactly. So you can't really write them off. And Washington isn't—they're a great team. They—they're a young, great team that has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. But they don't strike me as a team that's going to like stomp on your neck, you know, and finish you off in four games. I feel like there's there's little room for error there with them 
where they might get complacent, you know, and and let what and let Atlanta back in the series. So that's why I think that it can get to a six game. I, I think Washington is the one team that I would like to see with the Cavs play the Cavs, yeah, because that series they play very similarly with the fact that everybody shoots threes, and then they have these like inside players, and then they have a distributing superstar, right. It's just a different. You're seeing a six foot three, a six foot four guy instead of a six foot eight guy, and I would love to see someone on the Cavs try to guard LeBron or guard uh, John Wall. Yeah. For four or five, six games. That's like going to be or, tough. Or Beal. I mean, they only, yeah, yeah, they only really guard. they only really put one stopper out there. It's either Shumpert or yeah, Jr. Who's it, just totally focusing on defense. But. And honestly, both of them aren't going to be able to guard John Wall. No, they're not. That's not and Kyrie's not going to be able to. Yeah, no. n- you can't keep up with them. And so I I think that's going to be the most fun is when hopefully. If if it works out in this this perfect playoff scenario, to see those two teams play each other, that would be so fun. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Agreed. Um, you said going to six, Washington. Six. Yeah, Washington. I actually six. think it's going to end earlier than that. Um, I think a lot of people are overlooking how good their season was, but then again, it's it's the playoffs, so you're probably right. As I'm saying this, but. Uh, I really like watching Otto Porter play. I wanted to point that out. He's he's a really good shooter. Yeah. I did not see that when he was coming out of college, and he's just gotten better and better and better. And, I mean, it, it makes sense when you're playing with Bradley Beal and John Wall. And John Wall has this knack for just always knowing when to pass yeah. and when to try to score. Yeah. That's what I think the difference is between him and a guy like Chris Paul. I, I don't want to – I'm not trying to knock Paul because he's one of the best point guards I've ever seen. But Wall has this, has a really good way of finding – Ways to score and ways to pass and doing them at the right time and I think that's something that's like can't teach. Wall got dropped by Adidas after that last contract, and uh, he's been playing better than he's ever played the last two years since he got dropped. I actually, I'm. He's looking like he's gonna get another shoe contract because yeah, he's he's, he's right on the fringe of that, right? Yeah. He's like he's right on that list of guys because Paul George just got one. So who's the next guy? It's like what John Wall, it's gotta right? It's got to be John Wall. Yeah, you think? yeah. Isaiah has one, right? I think so. He's about to because he, he does. He has shoe li- like lines within. Yeah, but he doesn't within, have like a signature shoe. He doesn't have right, his own right. shoe yet. Because okay. if Paul George just got his, Isaiah Thomas isn't going to get one for another two or three years. There's a couple guys that are that might get one soon. Like I think Giannis is probably going to get one if he doesn't already. He probably has some like there's Greek a, shoe there, company there right now. There is a player off the bench for the Bucks that has a shoe. Contract. You guys Matthew Delva. Yeah, Delva Delva's no, got a peak. With who? Peak. Australia yeah. shoes. Oh, okay. Peak. Okay. They're ugly, but <laughs> he's got a shoe contract. Shoes like how many guys count. can? <laughs> as it long does. As, a shoe deal's a shoe deal. It's a I'll shoe deal, man. <laughs> you're you're set for life if you got a shoe deal. He still he still has to wear those shoes in the game though. That's that's the worst part probably. Yeah, they I don't know. look. They're not the worst. They seriously <laughs> aren't the worst because. Jamal Crawford's shoes. I don't like J Brand at all. They are probably manufactured that, for what him though. What's the shoe? Black uh Brand Black is the I shoe company. No the out of LA. Who's this? Jamal Crawford. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know that either. I yeah. didn't know that. Anyway. <laughs> I d I'm just saying it because every time I see John Wall, I'm like, Reebok had him and then they never re signed. And then 
Adidas had him, and then they didn't resign. And he's playing way better than he did with both of those teams, and nobody has him right now. Well, that's what the playoffs that's, are for. So that's it's that's all I'm trying to, to say. It's like that it's deal. a marketing opportunity if there is. ever was one yeah. to redo the John Wall brand. All right, we got two more series to go. Uh, Golden State Warriors in Portland. We talked about it a little bit. McCollum showing up, but Golden State has a lot more <laughs> than just McCollum and uh, Damian Lillard. Any thoughts on that one real quick? Draymond looked really good. Defensively, I think he has, like, the best instincts in the league. Yeah, he does. He just knows where to get, where to stand, and he's just so strong that his instincts are better than everybody else's, and he's in position every time, and he just stands there. Yeah. And then, so, then like you saw, he'll go up and he'll he'll block you because he'll be in perfect position and he won't get fouled, and that's it. Yeah, I th- I agree with that statement completely. I think defense is kind of you kind of have to play passing angles and. You you're almost guessing a little bit, but they're they're like educated guesses on yeah. where you need to be. And Draymond's the best player that, as far as being in the right position to help his teammates out, um, and to expand on that, I think C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard probably had the best yeah. games. They had extremely great. They had great games. Uh, McCollum had 27 in the first half. I think he ended up with like 40, and then Damian had like 34, 35 points. When you have two players that get off like that and you still lose yeah that's a bad sign you played as well as you could have possibly played and still lost and this series I I said it before I think Golden State is easily the most talented team in the league by far I I mean you could throw Cleveland in there you can throw San Antonio in there if you want to but I think they sweep Portland I think they breeze through the playoffs to be completely honest yeah yeah, they have, a, they have an easy road. It's looking yeah. like it's going to be that way. Yeah. Uh, the Chicago-Boston series, that was the one that kind of surprised people. Obviously, the 1-8. Um, was it that big of a surprise, though? No, I don't think so. Boston just didn't show up. Right. And, and what, for whatever reason. I mean, it could be Isaiah Thomas. It could be they're just not clicking for some reason, but... They're a young team, but they they have a lot of talent. They just need to get yeah. that smoothed out real quick. Well, this dur- might- during the regular season, Chicago beat them multiple yeah. times. So it's like a lot of the times in playoffs, it has a lot to do with matchups. Mm-hmm. And Chicago matches up pretty well with Boston. So you see, you kind of see that. And I don't think anybody was surprised that Boston won. That Chicago won game one because they were – I mean, they beat them during the regular season. So – and then there was the controversy that Boston was w- one of the worst one seeds in NBA history. So, with that, with all that being said, I don't think it was a big surprise that Chicago won. I think this is one of those series that can go seven games as well, though. It is a big surprise, though, that they're scoring uh, – uh, Chicago's scoring points with Rondo, Wade, and Butler, right? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Like why, what is happening right now? Yeah. Why is that lineup – <laughs> with Robin Lopez and Nikola Miritich. Because that like, is there's a like weird, one shooter. That's a weird lineup. Miritich is like the only cons- – he's not even a consistent three-point shooter. He's the only guy on the court, though, that will put up a shot anywhere on the court. And he's the, it's the only team that really do- like has a lineup like that that yeah. scores baskets. Yeah, The it Grizzlies is- have that lineup, and they can't even put up points against the Spurs to save their life. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's weird. Oh yeah, that's a that's an ugly 
ugly matchup when you're looking at it. Defensively, just have everyone stand in the paint, like your whole team, just like one foot out, and then just play play that way, and you'll be fine. You know, all serious. All right, and Mike, I uh, need you to cover the uh, OKC-Houston game real quick. Initial thoughts on the MVP matchups in that one. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I was I was doing layout last night, and, you know, I tried to put the game on. It wasn't coming in. I found it on the computer. I watched it on the computer, the Grizzlies-Spurs game. You know, I go home, open a bottle of wine, drinking a little wine, playing some video games before I go to bed. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself that they're probably not going to win a game, the Thunder. They might win one. This is a long story to get to the point. <laughs> hey man, I gotta, I gotta lay out, I gotta lay out I the mean, scenario you for you. Definitely, you. you definitely, you definitely made it as romanticized as you possibly could. But you know, I'm looking at my, and then I'm, and then I'm sitting there looking at my picture of my signed photograph of Kevin Durant on the wall, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, no. After, I'm after a few glasses of wine, <laughs> you're gonna need to open like three more bottles just to make it through the night. Yeah, I know, right? You gotta place a. Imagine how much I'm Barry drinking during Manilow the actual game. And, oh my gosh, that's funny. No, but I, I will, <laughs> I will say that I think that they're gonna get one. But it was really funny because I saw a little, a little video of like some. Probably just like some internet investigation. Somebody saw Billy Donovan on the sideline after Harden like turned him around and laid the ball in, <laughs> got that easy basket, and they like zoomed in on Donovan and he said something like "Can't play Cantor" to like yeah. his, his yeah. assistant coach. And I don't think I think that was probably like a situational thing. He he is a good player, but he can't guard anybody on that team. He's, he's he can guard like Clint Capella, guard. maybe barely, yeah. barely. Because, That's it. Because if Capella comes up for a screen. He can't guard James Harden, and that's what they're gonna do every time. Yeah. Capella's not gonna get him one on one. Exactly. I mean, and I and I don't think it's I don't think it's on the Thunder. I think it's just I think this Rockets team is really good. It's a bad matchup, and I think that they can beat anybody in the NBA right now on the right day. Yeah. Oh, I, th- yeah. I think the Thunder will get the game. They'll they'll catch them on a day where they when they miss a couple threes, and Westbrook just does Westbrook things, yeah. but. It's it's tough to accept the fact that the two best teams in the West are led by almost led by two players that came from the Thunder and are looking way better than they ever did on the Thunder. <laughs> I can, <coughs> I can only imagine how tragic that is yeah, as a Thunder it's pretty fan. Depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with you though. I think they get one game at home just because Russell Westbrook turns into a superhero, right? You know, and gets like a fifty point triple double or something like that. But other than that, it is a bad matchup for them. The The Rockets have too many shooters. James Harden is playing at the top of his game right now. I still think he should win MVP. I don't think he's going to. But, I mean, that, that discussion's over with. I think the Rockets win in five pretty pretty handedly, too. At least you give him a game. Yeah, I give him a game because I respect Russell. I feel better about that. I respect Russell. I just don't think that as far as if you can't play Cantor, Cantor's your be- your second best scorer, and if you if what you said is true and they can't play him because yeah. they're if Cantor's on the court they're going to expose that weakness. They're, that's that's what the playoffs is all about, just exposing weaknesses. So if you can't play Cantor and that's your second best scorer, where are the other points coming from? You know, Oladipo he's been struggling. Yeah. So you can't really rely on that, and I think that they just don't have enough offense to get them through this series. 
Unfortunately, the way I look at it, they're similar to the Grizzlies in the sense that they're a regular season team. They play well in the regular season, but they're not going to make any noise. That's just how it is. There's some teams that are going to be like that in the playoffs. Yep. Well, with that, guys, Bucks Toronto at 7 on NBA TV for the 10 people that bought NBA TV this year. And then <laughs> after that, Bulls, Celtics at 8, Jazz, Clippers at 10.30 on TNT. So we got some good games tonight. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday to talk about the rest of this playoff week. It is the most beautiful time of the year because there's basketball every day from now until probably three weeks from now. And it is fantastic. My name is Joshua. He is Mike. He is Chewy. We will be back next week on the boards. <laughs>